Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and today we're going to talk about Shaolin Soccer, a film directed by Stephen Chow, starring T- Stephen Chow, Ng Man Dat, Vicky Zhao, and Patrick C. Uh, the movie is about a character named Golden Leg who ruins his career by throwing a soccer game, and he finds a path back to glory when he trains a team of down-on-their-luck Shaolin disciples to beat Boss Hung's Team Evil. So, um... I don't know, why don't we just jump right in and talk about it. Uh, Kenny, what, what were your thoughts on this movie? Oh, I, I, I love this movie. I think I might be a bit biased, though, because uh, I watched it when it came out back in uh, 2001. And uh, I was, what, like 12 or something at the time? <laughs> that 12, 13? So, you know, it's one of the movies which had a pretty strong impact that, uh, on me. It's like one, uh, I've always sort of liked, liked um, Stephen Chow movies growing up. And, uh, yeah, this movie... Yeah, really topped it for me back then. So I really enjoyed the sort of slapstick humor that they have, and um, I don't know. The, the story itself is you know enjoyable. It's nice and simple. You have you know the the um, the underdog um, training, getting stronger, and then you know beating the the the, the bad guys, right? And I I think that's the story that you know anyone can understand and relate to. Yeah, it's a it's just a good simple sports movie formula, but just done so perfectly with a lot of humor. It's uh, yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and I I saw that the the shorter version of it, which is missing twenty minutes, and I I kind of could feel that things were missing, but I I still just enjoyed the entire thing from beginning to end. It's just fantastic. I watched it when I was 16. I may have had the mental age of a 12-year-old, but I watched it like five times over the course of the next three days. I thought it was a funny movie. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of slapstick, and it was different, but enjoyable. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I like this one as well. I, I saw it um, back when it came out on video, or on DVD, I guess. And uh, I think it was video. I might have actually still had a video player at that time i'm not sure um but uh but i you know it's it's a it's a great movie and i think stephen chow is just magnificent it's sort of bringing humor but like real physical comedy that's well performed and Mm -hmm. and still sort of bringing that heart to it that's one thing i was going to say i think that's definitely one of its strengths in that um i I think that it, it can be well received by anybody really you know you don't necessarily have to be somebody who's got an interest in, um, you know, Eastern uh, films or anything like that to actually be able to watch it because a lot of the humour that comes through it is mostly physical and visual-based humour. And so even if, you know, like I experienced this time, I had a case of 90% subtitles and stuff, you know, you've still yeah. got plenty of stuff to laugh at and watch visually, you know. There's yeah, so it's, it's many just gag cuts and stuff and it keeps on going through it's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's a soccer kung fu movie and you don't have to like soccer either it's still it's still, exactly. it still works it even takes the piss out of every aspect of itself as well you know? <laughs> yeah it takes piss out the soccer it takes a piss out of a shaolin you know it, it takes nothing seriously it's slapstick from beginning to end and but it still does the sports formula very well mm-hmm Despite the fact that it starts with a character who's, you know, obviously got unbridled power and so definitely isn't hampered in that way, he can take a beating so he doesn't have the fatal flaw of, you know, golden legs, uh, you know, ability to have his leg trashed and thrashed. 
and you know the naivety of him. Um, well, I mean, unless you count for his for the fact that he was trying to get a musical career off the ground. But, yeah, that's that yeah, that, that's maybe besides the point. But re- really, his his thing is is about learning to cooperate with his you know comrades and stuff, bringing them back together and getting them to regain their powers because he had his from the beginning. And him learning how to control it to be able to better transfer that to football and coordinate with his teammates and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that part of the movie as well is this kind of like reconnection of the, the brothers, which in this time, this version that I saw of it, there was a bit more depth given into where, you know, he lived in that whole scene with the top of a building. I'm sure we'll get into that a bit later. But um you know, I think that it becomes a lot more about the brothers reconvening. And also, it kind of points out that uh, martial artists and stuff don't really have a place in society. And so they kind of point out this slapstick way of, you know, if you had Kung, if you had Shaolin, this would be no problem, you know? Yeah, it's like, like a like, sexy woman like, walking down the street that slips on the banana peel would, would be... Yes, you know, of course. You know, and I, I love the fact they just imply there's going to be banana peels everywhere in life, so that's why you... <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's, and it's funny, too, because, like, I used to do martial arts, and that's a thing, you know, like, you do meet people that, like, that's you know... That's a thing, they throw yeah, bananas on the floor. No, no, not that they throw they, bananas. No, don't slip! If no, you that, do, you need Shaolin. That, that they spend all this time mastering these physical skills that have almost zero application to... Yeah. I got other bananas peel scene. I've got to say one other thing, too. It's like watching that for the first time. It's like, you know, he clearly sees she's going to split up, slip on this banana peel. And it's like my anticipation, she's going to fall and he's going to catch her to show his martial arts. But no, he's just going to let her fall. <laughs> let her fall. Point. He just falls on her face. I, in fact, yeah, I love his reaction when she well. falls. He does that little pose that uh, yeah. it just kind of gives it a little bit more oomph. Oh, oh, did he catch her? Am I remembering this no, wrong? No, 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 no he, he doesn't, doesn't catch he doesn't her. Catch her. He does. Oh, okay. At the end okay. of the movie, the thing. But like, even then, you've you've also got the fact though that each one of these people whom were enrolled by their parents into a traditional martial arts style schooling system, you know, with a master and you know, at a dojo and stuff, I, with the exception of one of them who is not fulfilled or happy in life, all of them are pretty dour and sour of their lot. Well, which one? They're, which they're one do you think is fulfilled? I mean, for example, um, the the guy who was actually making lots of money, I think he was an investor or something, right? He's brushed off his Iron shirt, right? Is that iron iron shirt? shirt? Iron shirt, exactly, yeah. He's brushed off his feet. He's unhappy from that. He needs to take the time off to reconnect with his brothers and stuff. You know, completely stressed out. He isn't happy in that. With uh, the lightweight guy or whatever... um, you know, he's he's got the fact that he's gotten so obese and stuff. He's lost his powers and he's in this spiraling, you know, depression circle and stuff, right? You've got a uh, hooking leg who's depressed over the fact that he's lost his hair and he's working cleaning toilets and, you know, washing dishes and stuff. And he used to be this really handsome guy and he can do all these awesome leg tricks and stuff. Um, you've got empty hands, right? Who is a really handsome guy and stuff, but he's he lives in a fucking shack. You know, I think underneath a bridge or something, you know, empty hands for the though. bed is right by the door. And when he first meets him, like he's topless and then gets into a shabby suit and stuff. He's obviously got no job. <laughs> you know, he's he's completely fucked over in it. Ironhead, he works in a sleazy bar where he constantly gets smashed with bottles over the top of his head, which reminds me, I think 
was one of those bottles they smashed over his head accidentally a real bottle? Because, like, all the other ones, when they smashed, they wouldn't, like, leave any shards or anything there. But, like... Well, I think, in, no, because that one, I think that one was a CG bottle that hit him. I don't think that was a real... And I think they just put the bits there after. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm, you know. I'm not sure, because just this, uh, this, in this version that I just watched, one of them looked really convincing, and there were just loads of shards I mean, left over, I mean, which well, weren't there from the other ones. But there was even, like, what looked like a bit of blood. We'll have to look like, it up chest. and see. But, um, but even that guy, even Iron Shirt, I feel like he... Um, he like, wasn't as rich as yeah because he says sell all my was. shares and there's like five he says all five of them all five of them and then <laughs> and then he See, yeah. that wasn't fucking translated from my world oh okay yeah there was something else that gave me a feeling he was kind of a fraud as far as how oh he's like my was. driver's away so that's why i'm driving oh, the bicycle and he's on the moped well, yeah, noodle shop and it's just a regular guy and their shitty noodles and stuff but like I, either way you know each and every single one of these martial artist people who have been enrolled in that traditional way are useless in that society. They, they aren't prepared for it and stuff. And I feel as if it's almost making a comment on that and how they're desperate to find their place for it. And finally, everybody realizes that if they all had Shaolin, then the world would just be a better place. It's funny because if you've, if you've seen um, Kung Fu Hustle as well, that's oh, yeah. a, a theme that... Um, is brought up towards the end when you know the the, the, um, the old couple are sort of discussing the prospects of the main character after he has displayed this godly kung fu. And it's like, well, he could be a stuntman, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll make an excellent career as a comedic stuntman or something. Oh, I love it. There's just no, you know, with martial arts, there's just nowhere but the top. If you don't make it to the top, there's. <laughs> There's, there's, there's no there's, no, there's, there's that thing, isn't there? That in martial arts there is no uh, number two, whereas in uh, uh, literary arts there's no like number one because yeah, you can't agree on who's who's the best writer or whatever. <laughs> you always have someone who is the best martial artist. You get there or you die trying, basically. Well, it's yeah. funny when when this came out and I first saw it, I was really into into Taekwondo at the time. I was I was uh, I was uh, you know like uh, competing and all that and. And so it came out as I was really immersed in that world, and and I feel like you know this really gets that sort of uh, you know martial arts brotherhood uh, you know type thing down. Um, it and does, and one of the, one of one of the great things I feel with that is that the antagonists of it aren't necessarily martial artists themselves, and. So you don't have to go into all the nefarious, you know, backstabbing plots and all that kind of shit to, you know, protract out the story. And that tends to, you know, undermine the whole brotherhood aspects of a lot of these martial arts films. I just had to interject there, sorry. <laughs> Did you say the antagonists were, were not? Well, the, the antagonists weren't necessarily martial artists. You know, they were extremely strong and stuff uh, by the end of it and um, the actual team. But the main antagonist, the guy in charge of it, he was a footballer who became a chairman yeah. of an association and stuff. He wasn't skilled in martial arts at all. His bodyguards that he had didn't fight them at mm. all. As far as martial arts things went, they were unchallenged. Their master had died previously, but that's not elaborated into. But, but what I said was in, in, in a lot of these martial arts kind of things where you get these brotherhoods and you want to see more of that developed, it's undermined ultimately by the fact there's so much backstabbing and stuff going oh, on with sex. You. Mm. how are these places actually harmonious how do they actually fucking function if so many people are always stabbing all these proteges in the backs and stuff like 
surely this thing would just be a fucking ruin. (laughs) And also they do take a lot of the stuff that would be like the martial arts aspect of the movies sort of takes place in the, in the soccer field, it seems. So you get, you get like, uh, there's that scene at the end where, um, iron shirt is, is, is sort of bravely defending the goal. And, (laughs) and you have that, that, that dramatic music playing and they keep assailing him with soccer balls. And it's almost like out of, uh, it's it's like out of a Cheng Che or John Woo movie. Where he... Well, that's the thing. It's totally parodying those things, but it doesn't have all the over convoluted plot around it or anything. But I it's, feel like it still gets the power of it. Still hits. It hits yeah. all those notes, yeah. but it's done with completely ridiculous setup that that you know kind of parodies all the other shit we usually see. You know, it's like yeah, in reality. Where are you going to see any kind of football fucking, you know, team leader guy who also hosts this tournament and stuff who's putting his fucking, you know, team players through the underwater pool training with steroids and shit? It doesn't happen. And they're they're nowhere near that evil. You know, they don't name their team Team Evil as well. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're saying, brothers. Like Stephen Chow movies really, they have a lot of emotional weight to them. For as silly as they are, I always get really drawn in. You get invested into the characters, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It hits all the right notes of a good movie and everything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whilst the setup is all totally stupid. Yeah. It's, It's artistic, I think. Well, and, and yeah, that's, that's like a classic tr- hallmark of Stephen Chow is that he subverts expectations and he tries to think of yeah, oh, what can I do with like a sort of touching scene, and then what can I, how can I lead up to that in the most ridiculous way possible? And he does it, and I think a lot of it also you know hinges on his um, talent as an actor, uh, and you know all the, all the physical humor that Brendan mentioned as well is yeah, it, it relies a lot on his facial expressions, his body, his, his postures, and, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes you see a lot of recurring um, characters, not characters, but um, actors in his films, and I think he chooses them specifically because um, they are all, you know, he is familiar with the, the skill level that they have in acting and, and performing the, um, the physical humour to his standards. He knows that they can do what he needs them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has yeah. a lot, a lot of you know similar actors that he works with in these. You see, like you'll see like a lot of faces too, like of people that maybe had minor roles in previous films that show up for minor roles and and the other mm-hmm. films. Um, but uh, what what did what did everybody think of the villain? I mean, he was hilarious. I think that you know, in some ways. His outfit and his hairdo and the sunglasses reminded me of Jackie Chan. Really? I'm, yeah, I'm not sure why. I think that it's specifically the hairdo and the sunglasses. Yeah, I think I, I just like the whole classic like 80s corporate, you know, 80s corporate villain vibe he had. I mean, he just was such the sleazy businessman type. Uh, you know, I mean... The cigar, right? And the crisp suit. The crisp suit. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see him go up against the guy from Karate Kid 3. I think seeing those guys go against each other in an evil business fight. I think this guy would win. I think this guy would win, actually. 
I think this guy's a he, little yeah, bit more. Yeah, he would. He would. A little bit more on the ball than that guy. That guy <laughs> gets distracted building dojos, and this guy would have none of that. Um, I, uh, to be honest, like I, I like the villain. Like I think the actor is great, and the character mm-hmm. that he has here is great. But on the on, on the other hand, like his his motive, like his goals, like were very murky. Like he owns the whole football association. <laughs> yeah, he can bribe anyone anywhere. And he spends so much money on a state of the art. I put that in air quotes there because you know it's an un- it's a computer underwater, <laughs> American steroids, uh, trying to develop the most physically peak team possible in soccer to win one million dollars. Are you serious? I've, I've got to say, I've got to say as well. You know, honestly. Who made America the greatest exporter and manufacturer of steroids? I think it depends on who's making the movie, because in our movies, it's always like the Russians, or you know, it, it, yeah. it depends on mm-hmm. it depends on uh, on who's making the we movie. We just never want to admit, but we make the best steroids, <laughs> do we? Like basically, um, I think I think in, the in China, steroids going to our athletes. <laughs> because in, in in China, the the view is that oh, American medicine is like the best thing ever, type of thing, and they all have this mindset that you know me- medical technology in America is super advanced, and they don't tend to. Like, you can say oh, maybe Europe has it, but it's hard to identify which country in Europe maybe sometimes or if you say Russia maybe they don't think oh Russia's medical technology isn't really that great no one really knows about it but if you you know just as like a family thing if if you know that someone's son has studied medicine in America they're like a big shot mm. type of character mm. well I liked how they kind of use that as a as an explanation for giving them like this dark chi aura in the yeah in the, in the final <laughs> I, I find it so funny as well but like that the steroids cause that to happen to them. I was like, damn, those are some good steroids, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I also like how, like, Vicky Zhao's character is like the Tai Chi practitioner, so her whole thing is that she kind of uses that against them in the end and, mm. you know, like, redirects the ball, and then Stephen Chow is able to, to kick it with even more force into yeah, the... Yeah, I've uh, forgotten... Yeah. Oh, I've forgotten it? Tai Chi was her discipline. So you're right. That that worked really well. Because, yeah, they mentioned at the beginning, and it kind of, I really, and I was like, well, what is her, her kung fu style? But, yeah, like yeah, they, they, they even mentioned, like, the sort of technique that would be needed to perform the yeah. beat. Like, like, you know, when they, when they talk about what I'm, technique she was using I'm sorry, to beat. But them. it's set up from the very beginning when she's fucking spinning the dough. Yeah. That's true. Basically. Yeah, I've had a very that, big guy. I only got to watch this CGI once. CGI so. is reused for the ball. <laughs> the, I didn't the, catch that, Elliot. The, the 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 when she's making the dough at the start, you know, towards the start of a movie, the action that she does with the dough and all that stuff, right? That's exactly the same one, the same movement that she used with the ball right at the end. Oh yeah, I think you I think you're right. I think you're right about it's, that. It's it's completely foreshadowed from the beginning. But uh now now one thing I did want to get into is what Okay, so she so Vicky Zhao's character is she's got some kind of face condition, skin condition that <laughs> makes her not very attractive and and that's like a uh important part of her character, an important part of the love story, but by the end of the movie her face is totally clear. And I'm curious I've, why people think that is. Like, what, what I've the got a theory. Mm. The stuff on her face is severe acne. 
from a grease build-up, right? Mm-hmm. She's got this very lanky, greasy hair. When she, when it's parted, flies come out of it and stuff. And you know, the main character slaps her in the face a couple of times to kill it. You know, did you get it that time? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know that that has caused her to develop very very bad a uh, uh, greasy pattern on her scalp, which is transferred down to her face and stuff. Especially as while she's doing all of her stuff, doing the dough working, her hands are all kind of like floured up and stuff and unable to do anything to do with her hair and she just lets it hang loose. In a humid environment too, that just propagates it. So when she shaves her head, perhaps there's a bit of time between that, um, but then that allows her acne to clear up because her scalp can breathe. <laughs> I think, I mean, I... I think that's a very reasonable idea because that that's what I've always assumed. But I had another theory too, which is that when she has the whole period where she's crying, that maybe maybe like the salt from her tears mm. is supposed to be cleansing her uh, her skin somehow. I know it doesn't really explain the forehead, but uh, but only because that scene when she's weeping into the dough, her skin is very clear looking. I can explain the forehead. Depressed afterwards, she went to a park and she sat on a swing and then, like, let her legs kind of, like, sit in a basket and dangled herself downwards and the tears went down her forehead. <laughs> I, I guess that would... Exc- I, I don't know if off-screen stuff would count, though, and, and I think I think it has to be backed up by... Uh, no, and I think Elliot's um, theory is the most plausible there. Like, you know, maybe from, like... She wasn't always ugly, like, but during her teen years, when these sort of breakouts happen, um, she felt that she was ugly because she had spots all over her face, as you might do. And then she grew her hair out to cover it because she didn't want people to see her face. And and, by people. Yeah, and, and then you know, as, as the years went on, because she left all her hair on her face, and you know, she's not from a particularly rich background or whatever. None of the people here are from rich backgrounds, really. They probably don't have like the standards of hygiene or whatever, and then the grease from the hair just sticks to her face and causes more acne, and it just sort of self-propagates there. Um, and, you know, it's sort of it, when he slaps her, uh, when the main character slaps her face in the department store. Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, th- your hands dirty now. I, I think that's more to talk about you know, the grease on her face is like. You know, making his hands dirty rather than it, my first thought was that you know maybe her her spots exploded on his hand and that was a bit too gross. <laughs> I think it's more reasonable <laughs> to think that it was the the grease on his hands. <laughs> yeah, when I was a teenager, I had kind of out of control hair and I had acne, and I can say that I I had the same thought watching it because I know there's a correlation between having hair in your face and uh, an acne buildup. So okay. I I had the same. I, I, thought. I, don't, I don't get acne. Me. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I haven't in a long time. I, it's been a, it's been about 25 years for me, but I, I do recall it. And so, uh, Kenny, you would also mention too that, that you know we're calling them Team Evil, but in the uh, in the original version, that's not actually what their their name was. No, they call them uh, Morguido, which is like Team Demon, which is probably the closest translation. Um, and and that you know it, it changes things a bit. Like a team evil is very in your face. Uh, you, you know that they're evil, and it, you start thinking about why would anyone let let a football team named Team Evil into the the. the <laughs> I think it just adds to the comedy. <laughs> it does. Um, yeah. Whereas if it was just like Team Demon, you could think, oh, maybe the um, it's just an exaggeration. You know how sports teams usually have a, a bit of a. a, a 
yeah, nicknames that are a bit weird, you know, like the the Cleveland Browns or whatever. I don't know. I can't, can't think of any actual <laughs> teams. Well, we have, we have the New Jersey Devils where I live, so that uh, yeah. uh, backs it up as a plausible team name. Yeah, yeah, I guess, but, I guess, I guess an American America, team might kind of... In might America, kinda... like, where, where the church is still very proud in some states and stuff, you've got a football team called the Devils, and that doesn't get picketed or anything? No. No, not in New Jersey, for sure. But, uh... <laughs> what if they do away games? What's that? What if they do away games? Like, Yeah, they don't get picketed at all. No. It's yeah, a hot... They, no, because people know it's like a playful... Uh, you know the devils. It's not like you know, not like the yeah. Satan worshiping cannibals or something. I, I, you know? I, yeah. I, I, I whack my finger, Chris. <laughs> yeah, the new the, the New Jersey Devil, by the way, is a local folklore thing. It is a it's a thing that that lives out in the woods here, supposedly. So, oh, so, so, it's so it's not Tasmanian Devil. So it's not supposed to be Lucifer himself. Well, no, it's not Lucifer. Well, it depends. The, the, there's variations on the folklore. It might be the devil himself, but it's, yeah, we, it's, you know. it's too ambiguous, you know. It's, it's not widely known, but in Massachusetts, we have the Dover Demon, which is uh, <laughs> which is kind of like the poor man's Jersey Devil. <laughs> you should d- definitely look up the Dover Demon. You'll see some interesting interesting visuals if you do. But. Uh, um, you see, in England, no, we're no. so steeped in history, you just need to chuck a stone and you'll hit a haunted building. Well, we, we have to work really hard to get our uh, <laughs> our, our, our our mythic lore. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I don't oh, know. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Isn't that, is that just a gray alien looking at pictures? Oh, yeah, yeah that's know? what's so funny about it. But the thing is, one of the explanations people give, and, and I don't want to get derailed because we're really supposed to be talking about challenge Saga. Yeah, sorry. But, but one of the explanations people give is that they, they think that the Dover Demon was a baby moose because apparently baby moose kind of look like aliens. And so oh. there were like a bunch of sightings of this creature all, I guess, around the same time. And so baby moose is a favorite explanation. Um, you, know, you know, Occam's Razor actually probably suggests a better explanation. They're lying. <laughs> Well, that could be it too. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not a Dover Demon expert, so I'll let other people weigh in. But uh, uh, do you, but do you I... need to go to university for that? <laughs> but but I've I've just seen that thrown around as an explanation for what people might have been seeing. Um, sure. But but also that, on the, the on, on the same topic of the teams and language, uh, Vicky Zhao's character is early on speaking Mandarin, I guess, and she she. Uh, uh, ends up speaking Cantonese later in the movie. And so I guess, is that supposed to mean that her character is, um, you know, is that, is that just like an, a detail that has no bearing on her character's background or anything, or is that relevant to the plot? Do you think? I think so. Like, um, oh, maybe it's sort of represent, like when she talks Mandarin, it's mostly when she's, you know, out of her comfort zone type of thing, when things are thrown out of left field at her and she just reverts back to Mandarin. Whereas, you know, when they're actually having conversations, um, you know, before you start seeing about how beautiful she is or whatever. Yeah. She, she talks in like very broken, um, Cantonese, uh, but then when he starts saying, "Oh, you're so beautiful," he's like, "Oh, she starts talking in Mandarin again." So she's uh, clearly, you know, she she can't um, focus on on the language aspect of that, so she just reverts back. But I think um, because of her interactions with uh, um, 
Singh and, 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 and all the other um, Shaolin brothers, yeah, she opens up a bit more and she gets more, more confident and she speaks a lot more and she gets more practice with the Cantonese kind of thing. So maybe okay. I can develop that she's gaining more self-confidence and she's more comfortable with talking. Okay. All right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and also, just so people know, there's uh, we have children in the background playing. Um, what's the name of the game? I apologize. No, it's okay. They're okay. playing. Play, play, They're playing Civilization yeah. last. I so, checked, so if so. you hear that, that's just uh, what that is. It's not. Uh, um, they just, they just sacked. They just sacked an enemy city. Is my assumption whenever they get lazy. <laughs> so, but um. That's what, that's impressive. <laughs> what, what what did everybody think of the love story part of the movie? I thought it was well developed. I did just want to say, as as far as her background goes, we at least know that her mother is present around about where they are because the shop owner threatens to call her mother or you know go to her mother or something to threaten her and stuff. <laughs> My favorite yeah. scene with her is when the shop owner says that she killed her when he comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> It's, it's pretty serious. Oh, that, was, that, was, that was fantastic. But, but the love the love story aspect of it, um, I think it's I think it's reasonably well done. You almost get a kind of Peter Pan effect from the main character when he rejects her love proposal. Um, mm -hmm. But you do see later on him kind of like realizing that she was crying so much, but it affected the dough, and coming to grips with the fact that he's been kind of leading this girl on. You know, he's been trying to get her to come out of her shell and stuff because she showed him kindness, um, which he kind of forced on her in the first place. Look after my shoes, you know. <laughs> well, they, they do end up a couple in the end. So. They do end up a couple, yeah. They become the kind of like the Shaolin couple who take the football world by storm and all sorts of shit. But um, the, 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 the main point of it is that he needs to come to grips with the fact that he's led this girl into coming out of her shell. He's been a huge part of her life and getting through this part, and he needs to stick around her with it. And, you know, part of me wonders why he rejected her kind of like love advance in the first place. Is it because he was embarrassed to be with her because he secretly actually thought that she was ugly? Is it because he was naive and legitimately thought being friends was better? You know, by the end of the movie, when she shaved her head and stuff, sure, she doesn't have hair anymore, but her entire, you know, face he, is cleaned up. You know? He says and, she looks like E.T. too. He's not exactly... He, uh, does, he does say... Right, that was funny. Yes. He he, I thought she looked like a cone head, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, I think because they maybe were using, a uh, like, a bald... Uh, like one of those those you know artificial bald caps so maybe our hair yeah that was not yeah. a natural skull shape that's for sure <laughs> but but i don't know what what did everybody th that's that is an interesting question like what like what 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 were people's thoughts on why he rejected her well i thought that he rejected her um just because that he was naive i don't i think that his naivete was more due to the fact that he was single-minded in bringing Shaolin out to the world and making sure that everybody knew that um, Shaolin was important, that their Kung Fu skills were useful in something. I don't think it had anything to do with um, him just wanting to be friends with her. And I really thought he thought that she was beautiful. That's why he mm -hmm. did that little dance and, and sang. So I don't think it had anything to do with her looks. I just think that he was so single-mindedness on first 
bringing Shaolin to the world, then winning this tournament to win the money so that, you know, he wouldn't be poor anymore. So I think when you're single-minded, then you just don't see what the other person sees. And he just wanted to be friends just because he didn't see anything else. I, I think that's I think that's the, the best way of looking at it because all, all the what, what what the other kind of like version which which is what I kind of saw at first when I first viewed it was the implication was that it actually was quite shallow and um, you know that he was willing and capable to just lie to her about you know her beauty and all that kind of stuff and really string her along but when you look at it from 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 the way that you just mentioned and you know keep keeping all that in mind. I think the real turning point for their relationship actually comes about from when he realizes that she was crying into the dough and stuff. Because immediately after that, it gets into the final, you know, the final battle and stuff. And then we see her turn up and it's all kind of resolved and stuff. Um, so we don't get to see him kind of like come to grips with it between then. He's kind of thrust onto, you know, him. Oh, now she's shaved head, but her. Paolo has totally cleaned up and stuff. So it would probably be unfair to, you know, just put onto him these kind of, like, perception, this perception that he was just doing it because she suddenly cleaned up her act a bit, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think, I think, think it's a case where he wasn't really thinking on any kind of long term. Like, he, you know, because he he's the one that kind of initiates things when he comes by and sees her doing her martial arts thing and, her, you know, and he's, like, wowed by her and he's impressed and he heaps all his praise on her and it's like... It's kind of like his intention was never to try and seduce her and win her over. He just genuinely, he was genuinely acting on impulse. And then when she throws this, hey, I'm in love with you, let's have a relationship thing, he's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he just did. It, it really did remind me of the Peter Pan and Wendy thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She's like, yeah. yeah, we'll get married, you'll grow up and stuff. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> what are you talking about? What's this mortgage thing you mentioned? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny, what about you? I I don't know. Like I uh, I I think the message would be a lot clearer if they'd either kept her ugly towards the end <laughs> or changed yeah. it. Yeah. Like it, it, it's uh, if the, the way it is now, I think it's all up to interpretation. You can see it how you like. Like I like he he, he obviously you know, he's not a mean person or whatever, and I think he genuinely wanted to help draw her out of her shell, you know, which is why he praises her and, you know, um, takes her to the department store on that little date thing that they had going on there. And, yeah, but I think, you know, he, he is aware that she is not a, a physically attractive person at that point in time. And, you know, even when she goes to the salon and comes out, um, he's like, what the hell have you done to yourself? You're like a freak type of thing. Because, yeah, she's got the really thick makeup on, the really, like, the square eyebrows, the square shoulder pads. And, you know, it it, it feels like he, yeah, he, he's fully aware of the fact that she's not attractive. And maybe that I, was... Well, I was just going to say, I've got a follow-up question, Ben. Do you think that his relationship with her is one founded on a one-sided attraction? Do you think that he's doing it out of guilt? In the very end? Yeah, yeah, I I think he truly appreciates her for, you know, standing out and helping him when, you know, no one else would, would have been able to and risking her own 
Well, there's that, but you could also interpret what, what he was saying about um, beautiful and all that stuff for being referring to her martial arts. Because you said Shaolin is something that he's soul-mindedly focused on and he wants to bring it forwards in the world. And so he thinks that it's truly beautiful that somebody has incorporated Shaolin martial arts, especially this Tai Chi, you know, which is an exceptionally beautiful one to look at, um, into making such a thing as, you know, buns and the best buns that you can you know, find in the area and stuff. Like, perhaps all this beauty that he's praising is, you know, the beauty of her martial arts and stuff. She mistranslates it to him saying, you know, that you do have the fact that he says, you know, you need more confidence and look at you now with his makeup on and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it could be that she mistakenly took his words in that sense. He maybe didn't phrase himself very well. And then he feels an obligation in the future. Does, does he marry her out of obligation and not out of love? I, I don't know. Like, I feel like he fell in love with her. Like, or he realized he was in love with her after the theme of the bun. Yeah, I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, yeah me too. That was the sort of the, the feeling I got. As for the whole when he's calling her beautiful thing, like, he... Yeah, you can see from his expression um, that he obviously does not think yeah. that she is actually <laughs> yeah. good to look at. If that makes sense. And, 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 and they tell you the, the fly is a dead giveaway too. The fly that comes out when he parts her hair is, you know, meant to yeah. emphasize. His eyes like just follow that yeah. around rather than looking at her face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with Kenny. I think that. Um, He's supposed to be kind of shallow at that point, and I think that the rejection is like it's one of the most uncomfortable parts in the movie. You know, it's like you yeah. feel like bad for mm-hmm. him, and I think you also realize, oh, maybe he's not this like you know, like he, yeah, he's the main character, but he's kind of like a shallow jerk to her in a way, and he's been using the whole beauty line to manipulate her. But I think when he realizes when he no longer can eat her 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 buns, and when he uh, when he when when he doesn't have her around anymore, then he, he the beauty doesn't matter as well, much. Well, this 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 is where this challenges my view of a character, right? Okay. Uh, in in whether it is his selfishness, but also um, there was also something in the version that I just watched which changed my perspective of uh, Mui. Is that how you pronounce it, Mui? Um, yeah. Yeah. The Bunga. I either way. Um, in, in the scene that I saw originally on Netflix, um, it basically goes from after she's been to the salon and stuff, he kind of like sees her at the place and then it cuts to the kind of dinner, uh, nighttime rendezvous in the little woods just by the kind of thing. And when she kind of deals with rejection, she goes off and she does a pose and everybody laughs. At first I thought that was her kind of like just swallowing her grief and kind of making a show for everybody else. But the scene beforehand shows her getting accepted and them fighting for her and stuff and saying that she is beautiful. In that sense, it made that seem like a much warmer thing and a lot more support was going through for a character there with Marie, which made me feel like she was actually a stronger character being able to get through that rejection, um, which was one thing. You know, she was obviously crying because she was very shook up about it in the future. But if you notice, she was still wearing her makeup at that time as well you know, covering up her face, she's willing to accept that she can be a beautiful person. Um, as far as the selfishness of it goes, that's, again, that's attributing it to the uh, to whether it's the Peter Pan effect or not. Because um, in, in my view, if he was selfishly trying to manipulate her feelings by mistakenly praising her as beautiful and stuff, 
and that does come through with where he's you know kind of physically repulsed by her whilst saying that she is beautiful um if if that is just him trying to kind of like pull the wool over her eyes and manipulate her feelings that is a, an assholeish thing to do and that is where this kind of negative perception that I can be putting forward sort of the character comes from. Um, however, if it is the Peter Pan effect and he naively wanted her as a friend, he wanted to show her the good stuff, he wanted to tell her that she's beautiful to bring out the confidence in her because he sees that there is something there, it's just currently hidden, you know. And I think that's ultimately the character they wanted to portray and uh, that's what I've come, come to now. Um, in, in that he, he may he may even you know nobody's kind of lying to her but it could be that he's praising her martial arts either way it's it's for her own kind of yeah i think it's just sort of expanding on the chinese or it's not unique to china or anything but the beauty, <laughs> beauty within type of thing like she is a nice person like you know when you get a pair of rotten shoes what are you gonna do with them toss them away right but no she, she repaired them on the off chance that this person would show up at the stall again and so she could return them yeah, yeah. she's genu- a genuinely nice person i think like he realizes that she is a very uh, you know she's a person with a very big heart um and despite the way she looks you know she deserves better and you know maybe he thinks that if she were a bit more confident you know things would be different for her because she's obviously a very timid person at that point you know despite her you know, wondrous gift of martial of knowing the you know, tai chi at an extremely high level you know she she was still like cowed by the the the, the uh the shop owner and uh and she you know refuses to look people in the eye when she's talking to them and that sort of thing so it, it i think you genuinely wanted to help with her confidence in that end rather than manipulate her feelings but yeah i think you also knew that she was definitely not someone <laughs> good to look at <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that uh, uh, what was it? I I, I I I tend to lean towards the towards the shallow, the shallow interpretation of his character, <laughs> at least initially. But part of the reason is he reminds me a little bit of um, remember the movie Disciples of Shaolin and um, the barefooted kid. Uh, I I think maybe it was just me and yes. who he he kind of reminded uh-huh. me of of that character a little bit who. Who was sort of like a materialistic uh, character who gets mis get gets misled, and so I'm thinking maybe he has that aspect to him. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, it, it's also highlighted when you know he gets his new shoes and he's like, "Oh, I don't need these old shoes, and I don't need I don't need to no, repair shoes anymore." That's why I was thinking yeah. of Disciples of Shaolin because of that sort of like, "Yeah, I don't need my old shoes," sort of a thing, and now I'm off to bigger and better things. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it. I guess it is kind of up to interpretation because because uh, there is like a lot of ambiguity. Well, I, I uh, think I think part of that is the want to cast off the shackles of poverty, which is something we've seen set up since the beginning of the movie again. And that's what motivates the guy in Disciples of Shaolin as well. It's I mean, he's and barefooted sort of a, kid. Yeah, and a barefooted yeah. kid. They both have that same. But it ultimately leads them down a very dark path. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, you know, I, I just. I feel like people that that they would have been. I I feel like the scene with the shoes you they you wouldn't help but be able to think of those movies. Do you know what I mean? Like it just mm-hmm. kind of it seems like an ominous thing because you're like, oh the the you know the he was like that in Disciples of Shaolin too and 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 well it's where it it's, it's it's like when when you notice an Achilles 
you know, heel in the writing, you know, like, oh, it seems like they've mentioned this, you know, weak spot that he's got innocuously. I wonder what's going to happen here. (laughs) Yeah, when I when they did the shoe scene, I thought back to Disciples of Shellin and Barefooted Kid. And I was like, oh, no, Adam's (laughs) not going to get his happy ending at the end. Yeah, I I think that was intentional. I think that was intentional. Um, yeah, because the shoes have a <laughs> the shoes have a very dark meaning in in those movies. Um, yeah, but uh, but I don't know. But it made the movie. I think it makes the movie more interesting because you feel like the character could go in a different way, and and you know ultimately he doesn't. But because think about it, like because in, in in a lot of ways too, there's sort of a similarity here where you have sort of he the plot could have gone in another direction where he was corrupted by boss uh, was it in boss hung or something you know where yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So well, actually, here's something. There were there were a couple of things that I was going to mention with um because the version that I watched today was different from the Netflix one that had some extra bits in it which I'd never seen before. Um, one example of which was a meeting between um Boss Hung and um was it Fung the uh, Golden Egg guy. And in that, basically, um, Hung was mentioning about how they should pull out of the finals and how he would absorb their team and stuff afterwards and, you know, put them to better use. And he'd be like, come on, we'll be working together and stuff. And this time there'd be no, you know, no backstabbing or anything like that. Blah, 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 blah. You can put it behind you. And so that was one one big thing where it was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe they were thinking about that kind of possible plot thing, but... They shut it down pretty quick in that. Then another thing was, I'd had this question kind of beforehand, but we'd never actually seen the living conditions of many of the people inside of the movie, with the exception of um, Empty Hands. Um, but in the, in the version that I just saw, it actually did show um, where uh, where Steel Legs' uh, home is. And it seems like it's on the top of this high-rise building made out of cardboard and stuff in this kind of like little nook bit and he's brought uh golden egg over there and they're chatting about all this stuff and you know golden egg's kind of saying i should move in and they go up to the roof of it where steel leg kind of laments his situation for a bit before all the brothers show up and i'd always wondered before because in the netflix version they're just on the fucking roof and then all the brothers show up and i'm like oh this is just a random dramatic scene to show they're getting you know meeting up together for some reason on a fucking high-rise building but i was like it's his fucking home <laughs> yeah there's a joke about that as well where um golden leg is sort of going wow you li- who would have thought you know you clear trash but you live in the penthouse on the 59th floor exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't seen that before I didn't realize that wasn't in the Netflix one. The Netflix um, one I, I, is I, only an hour and twenty-five. It's I think it's like t- missing twenty-three minutes. It's really yeah. short. Um, still, and still also, should watch it if you can see it. But it's still great. Yeah, excellent. But yeah. it's it's a very it's 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 definitely not the version that I saw originally, and um, it's not even the version they 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 had it up on Netflix. I think a few years ago, and it was uh I think it was the longer version that. Um, but uh, but this one seems to be shorter. Um, yeah, and I didn't realize that the scene, the meeting between um, Golden Leg and Hung, were wasn't isn't in the yeah. current one. 
because that uh, so the version I'd, I'd watched originally had both of those scenes in so i sort of always assumed that they were there so i can i can see how being subjected to them today kenny a lot yeah, of these I can, movies I have very different running times depending on which version you get you know i had no idea uh, yeah, um but uh but yeah i don't know the uh the 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 other thing too, because we haven't really talked much about it, is the the martial arts itself in the movie. Because I mean, it is you know, it's about Shaolin soccer, and I think the martial arts in this are actually really really quite good in the way that they. Oh they do yeah, them. the visuals are really fun yeah. to watch. And uh, and I, I should mention that the action directing was um, Ching Sui Tung, um, you know, of swordsman fame, and uh, he's done a mm. bunch of movies that that I've reviewed on the podcast, and he, he's really good action director. Um, and I think I, I think it really shows here, and I like the way that it blends with the the CG. Um, but I didn't know if anybody else had thoughts on that. Well, I'd I'd say the best bit of action direction in the entire movie, in my opinion, is the test match they have where it devolves into a war scene, and you know, steel <laughs> uh, legs. That was just. Fucking genius. That's honestly. that's a that's a funny scene. That's a funny It's scene. an incredibly and, funny scene. Because it comes, you know, it comes very naturally into it. Because you know, it's it's turning into a war scene, you're kinda of like sure this is slapstick yeah. and stuff, but it's a backyard kind of like thing. They they're beating on each other, but the referee, whom is the coach, is just like, Oh, let it suck because they need to see some real fucking shit. And it turns into, you know, suddenly he gets a helmet and you're like, wait a second, yeah, throws a grenade. Like, everything is just fantastic for subverting your expectations. But in regards to the actual amount of martial arts used in it, there are some characters who get away with doing very little. Um, for example, there's uh, a fight fake guy, uh, guy who practices lightness. Uh, I think his name is Lightweight. At least it was in, my, in the version I saw. Mm-hmm. I think that was what it was in the version that I saw, but there's there's a uh, there's lightweight and empty hands for example. They don't really show that much martial arts, really. You know. Um, well, empty, empty hands, hands does all the Bruce Lee stuff, though. Yeah, that was pretty cool. How they had him all decked out in the yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they've the got game decked out in the yellow jumpsuit. He totally looks like Bruce Lee, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually see what he's doing in it, it's him, you know, doing that and then doing like uh, kind of like think like getting his footing throwing the ball and there's the thing where he collects up all the shoes and stuff and wraps them around the ball and throws them but that's CGI uh, as far as he goes there's not that much martial arts that he does with Ironhead I mean the majority of everything that he does is him standing stock still so I don't imagine that's hard to do for CGI <laughs> You know, well, he has, he has the impressive scene where he does the 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 headstand into headstand by headbutting someone in the abdomen type thing. Which... Yeah, but I think that was I think that was CGI. Yeah, there well. was a lot of CGI. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, a lot of CGI. but a lot, but a lot of it too is getting the right stance. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like of the, you course. Know... You know, like, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to belittle you know their their, their uh, actions for it, but there were some really really good examples of you know some interesting kind of kung fu things. For example, we've got Mui against the uh, shopkeeper um, when she's finally standing up for herself. That was in the version that I just saw today. There's that whole kind of like exchange and stuff. That was visually very appealing. Um, they replace a lot of it with the kind of like kicking of the balls and stuff and all the kind of flame things coming out and all that kind of things. 
um, for a lot of a kind of visual dramatic aspects. Well, I think but she I got think her start in, uh, in. Well, I was going to say, I think the most impressive one is hooking legs mm-hmm. and the whole kind of thing yeah. that come about that. That, that, that looks really hard to do, what he was doing. Bit. That looks like really oh, very, difficult. Very hard. But then you've got the whole thing where there's like three of them doing it at the yeah. same time and stuff. Like, it, it's it's a it's a feast for the eyes. And, uh, yeah, I, think I got. I, I have. Oh, go ahead, Adam. I was gonna say on the uh, the the battle scene we talked about with the with the soccer game turning into a battle too. Yeah. I like that because that's the first scene where we really have the soccer world and the martial arts world combine. And the the takeaway from it is the the martial artists have to learn that man, this soccer world is a tough place. It's yeah. you know, it's, it's not like martial arts. Soccer is a war. Yeah, it's it's just just... Your expectations. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. They, they, must, they, they masterfully subvert your expectations in every part and stuff. For example, right at the beginning, the babe slips on the uh, banana peel on the floor. And he goes, if they had Shaolin, it wouldn't happen like that. And then he cuts the similar kind of thing. And you see the you know, great martial artist master, you're like, oh, great, what's it going to be? Cuts to the floor and there's a fuck ton of banana peels and stuff. And you're you know, gliding out every single one, right? Subverting expectations. That's the base of slapstick. They do it very, very well. Yeah, but uh, there's there's the wrench and then the hammer. <laughs> yeah, the wrench. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm a mechanic. <laughs> that was a great scene where the guy is uh, at the very start of the of the battlefield game, where where the guy is being all polite to uh to golden leg and telling him how much he respects him and then like the wrench falls out of his out of his shorts and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's just trying to explain it away as him being a mechanic and and yeah i was i, I like i like the beginning to that um and i like how that's the scene where they they rediscover themselves they sort of yeah you know, they, they 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 get their groove back as as shall well, i think it's when they've truly become humiliated that they can, you know, stand up, pick up their pride, and get back into the swing of things and stuff. And you know, when they've reached their lowest point, can they rise up again? It's a very common theme in sort of martial arts that, to, or in order to elevate your kung fu, you have to elevate your mind first. Yeah, that's the first. <laughs> I'm sorry, but in the case of this, in order to elevate your kung fu, you need to put some dirty underwear on your head and prostrate <laughs> your head onto the ground and stand on it. <laughs> yeah, I, There's I nowhere to go the... but but up from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally, there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> It's it's uh, it's it, you know, once you've had the worst of it, there's also nothing else to fear. Do you know what I mean? Like, once you've reached that level, like, that that... that that's just as low as you can go. I, I don't know. Right. That's a bold claim to make. The internet has taught me there's a lot of stuff that you just can't expect for in day-to-day life that can really, well, really, really screw you up. <laughs> that's true, but but I, but you but I think the point does stand that if you uh you know if you if you if you get the if you, if you're if you're involved in in any kind of sport or activity and you get you get the worst of what it generally has to offer, you know that's that's. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like going for a crucible, you know? In, yeah. in a sense, you could even kind of liken it to the bride with white hair where she goes through the whole thing of, you know, the, the whole coals and being beaten and stuff. It's certainly nowhere near as um, dramatic or as meaningful, you know, as, as that whole thing where she's literally being beaten and stuff. But it's the same kind of thing of reaching this low point and then finding the will to continue and to struggle on. Like, at that point, 
he had already succeeded, you know, in 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 doing the shameful action that would get him off scot free. You know, by all by all means, he'd taken that action. It seems like he'd accepted it. He could have walked off, but it's when he takes that action he realizes that it's such a shameful thing to do as a martial arts practitioner to just a random layman, you know, mechanic guy. And that is what prompts him to kind of like bring it back up. And it, it takes an awful lot of effort to break through that amount of shame that he's brought upon himself and to carry on, you know, living and, and bring it about. And all of his brothers see that and they've got to bear that knowledge. And all of those people who witnessed him doing it and laughed at him for it, they all become his teammates in the future and stuff. So you got to remember all that, all that shame and stuff is something they go through. So I think that's, again, a crucible type of effect. Well, and that character, Ironhead, the one that, that puts the underwear on his head, he, he, yeah. uh, he's been taking bottles in the head and cleaning toilets and, and just suffering humiliation after humiliation before he even gets to So he's already at a pretty low point in his life, too. They, they, uh, I think probably the last point before then was performing that song. Yeah. But, but, you, had, but you had mentioned that you liked Vicky Zhao's uh, physical performance, and I think she got her start in, uh, I, I think it was a, a Wuxia series called Treasure Venture. Uh, like an old TV series, and so I, I, I find that whenever I see her in movies, she, she's generally quite believable in, in these kinds of action roles. Um, and to be fair, Tai Chi is not exactly difficult to perform. No, no, but you can, <laughs> but you can mess up that look. That 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 this. It's like I said, the stances and the, um, you know, the, it, 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 it's not, it's not like you know, uh, it's not. Tai Chi is a very sort of circular and. And, and slow style, but I, I think that, that uh, it can still be done poorly. Uh, and I, well, don't know, I, I think, think that's also probably the distinction you need to make of, you know, cinema martial arts and practical martial arts as well. Like, you know, even if a person is a, a skilled practitioner of the martial arts, when they're doing it for cinema, they're probably going to embellish on it a bit oh. to make it... You know, there's a there's a huge i mean they're night and day like i i think you know real martial arts don't necessarily look pretty you know like like an effective punch to the head isn't necessarily going to look like a cinematic punch to the head they're totally different things um so i'm definitely making that distinction um yeah it probably wouldn't be that much fun if a final fight of a movie is just a couple people like exchanging a couple blows one of them gets a knuckle to the seraph to the temple or something and just goes straight out you know <laughs> i mean i did i did i ended i got into practical martial arts and mma and stuff like that and for movies i'll take you know cinematic martial arts any day over over something that looks well, more you know you've, you've got to remember that there's plenty of boxing fights and stuff which are hyped up to be a huge event and stuff and the guy goes down after like two rounds you know like or even less punches you know all these things that are bigged up in the street and stuff like sometimes even professionals can be susceptible to just a sudden strike or just something unexpected or, or even you know something which just slips through their guard and real martial arts just aren't going to look anywhere near as good as they're made out to be on screen. So, but but yeah, but I but I thought that she you know she she comes you know she was also in the movie Mulan, um, Rise of a Warrior, where she, uh, she I don't know I, I thought she did a really good I job playing. The no, no, not the animated one. Though. It was a live action. I think it came out in like two thousand nine. It's actually pretty good. And she was in Painted I... Skin and. Um, She's been in a bunch of movies. She's been in a bunch of movies, but but she's I've seen her in a number of roles where she has to wield a sword or do whatever. And, and generally, 
you know, a lot of times you'll have these actors or actresses who look like they've never held a sword before or, you know, they'll be in like a stance, but their shoulders will be all hunched over and it just won't be, you know, they don't look like they go to the gym or anything. And I feel like she looks like a solid physical performer, even if, you know, I don't know what her her background or training is, but she just seems to, at the very least, be able to, to follow the action. She can hold her body well for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes without saying Stephen Chow, you know, is very believable as a uh, as a kung fu guy in these movies. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Does anybody have any any other thoughts on this? We've already been going on for like an hour. Oh, I mean, I've got plenty of thoughts on this. <laughs> like this is a movie we could, we could probably talk like several hours about it. <laughs> but um, I think we covered most of the main points. I mean. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a, a, a sports movie with a bit of a twist to it. An underdog tale of uh, a, group, a ragtag group of people who have lost their way in life, uh, finding their own a new purpose and winning their way to the top, right? So, and then with yeah. a love story, you know, in despair. Actually, speaking of love stories, um, Iron Shirt's little <laughs> love confession thing just before he uh, oh, takes yeah, on team. That, that is a fantastic bit. <laughs> that, that's actually my favorite scene in the movie between that and him standing at the goalpost and just, you know, the dramatic music and then he and he confesses. Well, there's, there's, there's that dramatic point which kind of reminds somebody of Boromir from Lord of the Rings, you know. Um, well, it's that exact kind of scene. It's that exact kind exactly. of scene. Exactly. But but the whole the whole thing before it is just such a perfect little addition of comedy. For one, the fact that he's got a cell phone on the pitch. Two, the fact that it's pink. <laughs> and he just picks it up, you know. Blah, blah, blah. I, I've been meaning to tell you, I love you. And you know, no, this is this is her this is her husband. Yeah. <laughs> Well, can you pass that message on to your wife then, please? <laughs> well, it also speaks volumes about his character. He's been holding this in for like he's got some woman that he's in love with for twenty years. There's this whole you're imagining this whole backstory with this guy now. Yeah. And you know, you know, he's he's one of the he's one of the characters whose lives you really want to. He's obviously saying it as well because he thinks he's about to die, yeah. which is part of a fantastic melodrama. <laughs> well, and there's also the. There's a scene with the other goalie who's, you know, uh, empty hands who looks like Bruce Lee that gets kicked, you know, and, and he's like, you know, he's brought off in a stretcher and it's almost, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, and then, yeah, he puts on the sunglasses and it, it's a very, uh, you know, it, it, to, it seems like a, like a game of death uh, type type reference. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. That's that's something Stephen Chow's really good at is sketching in these characters that are don't get that much screen time, but he just has these really broad, you know, his broad and powerful boy. characters. He just throws in there. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of that, like there were there were a couple of cool cameos with uh, Cecilia Chung and Karen Mock. I think they were called Team Dragon. The the two women with mustaches. Mm-hmm. I, I was gonna bring that up because yeah, they, they bring that? up an important point. I don't think their team had ever practiced in Shaolin or anything, but they seem to be able to move fluidly enough to be able to shake off the Shaolin practitioners. Sure, they don't beat empty hands the goalie, which shows they're not all, you know, that skilled. But they're the only team which actually showed that they were capable of putting up a resistance against the actual Shaolin, uh, Shaolin soccer team. Not only that, but we also saw at the beginning, um, in the first match they took off, the first team they're up against, they mention how they're like usually a top-ranking team, 
and they cannot compete with just the striker's kicks from midfield. Yeah. Right? That right there shows to me that possibly what Coach said at the beginning, Coach Goldenegg, that soccer is a team sport and it can't be won by one person alone is probably false. <laughs> Until you bring into account these, you know, this this soccer team and stuff with a guest cameo appearances, which I thought were fucking hilarious. Uh, the girl specifically with the mustache and the goatee looked like Johnny Depp, which it was, was great. It was a very interesting, and they had, I think they had dreadlocks or braids, so it was just a yeah. very striking look. It was a braids, yeah, it was a, it was a very yeah. interesting they looked, look. They just looked like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. It was but, fantastic. I loved it. But they also flew. They were flying across the field. I think that they, That's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's not explained how they got that. Um, I think it's Ching Gong. Steroids as well. No, I, I don't practice Shaolin. It's, it's it's not just Shaolin Kung Fu in the world. So there's no, many, many other brands, I guess. I mean, they, they even mentioned they that when they don't demonstrate any kind of Kung Fu skills or techniques capable of discerning themselves out, apart from the ability to move very fluidly on the battlefield. I think one of them does like a spinning, like she she does sort of like a somersault kick or something, like some kind of twirling kick. She does that, but again, I'd say that's probably to do more with agility and stuff, but she doesn't, she's not able to break through empty hands, single technique. You know, I think they're none Qing of... Gong experts. I think they're like lightness kung fu. They're there. There are people who pumped their agility up to the maximum and neglected all their other stats, basically. <laughs> Which, to be honest, in football is really what you want. Yeah. If it wasn't for the fact that they had the guy who could, you know, basically <laughs> block all the shots, you know, they would have they probably probably would have but, lost that match. Here's a thing but, though, oh. right? Could could Steel Leg have single handedly swept through the entire competition if this ladies' team wasn't in it, and if Team Evil hadn't been on steroids, probably, quite possibly. I mean, because it uh, seems uh, like uh, you would have only lost to this team because their superior, you know, lightness and agility and stuff would allow them to outplay them as a team. That's the only situation I saw where, without the use of steroids, there was any threat to the actual team. You know. Yeah, to the team. I mean, but if it was just Steel like by himself, I think it would have been impossible because it had there was like one scene where they had like four or five people marking him, right? And and there was no way that anyone could, yeah. could have gone the ball to him. And you know, in this well, I, was, I, was, I was also going to say, you know, there is the rule about having eight players on the pitch. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Well, the other thing too is that you know, I mean, Golden Leg was right. I mean, if they just decided they were going to rely on their striker just winning every game, they would have been defeated. So, they would have, you know, he yeah. was he was borne out by there were two teams where that was going to work. Being a so. You've also got to take into account the fact that um, all the uh, all the people who joined in after the test match stuff, right? They were being very valiant, throwing themselves in the way of the ball just to make sure Team Evil wouldn't score a goal against them. Yeah. So. That's that formation, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's amusing because the, the, the name in Chinese is a pretty familiar name to anyone who watches um, yeah, martial arts movies. It's the the Shaolin, like, 18-hour hat formation or whatever. <laughs> they tra- they trans- translated that as, what, the, the barricade or whatever. Yeah, it was, it's yeah, a lot very... more impressive sounding in Chinese, but they said it just broken apart immediately. By <laughs> <laughs> a football. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so... Uh, oh, I did have one question. 
Is it legal in soccer to throw the ball from one goal to the other? Because at one point they score a point that way. And yeah. that's illegal. The goalie, yeah. Okay. It's legal, but it's just no precedent of it. Because no one can try no, to put ball across uh, like a hundred foot. Well, I think, I think that, I think that in, in this case, throwing it, the goalie can do a throw in from their goal side, no problem. That's, you know, just fine. Um, I think that in some like home rules and stuff, there's rules against like the players kicking it back to the goalie, their own goalie, to like pick it up, throw it, and stuff. That's, but, a, that's a handball, basically. You can't yeah. kick it. Yeah, it's a pass. Yeah. If it's if it's a pass from your own team, then it's a handball. Um, but I'm I'm not sure in the case of throw-ins from the side. I doubt there's anybody who can't accurately throw into the goal into the goal from the side and stuff. Mm-hmm. That being said, a throw from one side into the other you know, is more than likely going to be defended against um, because of the time it would take to reach that goal and stuff. The only way it could be getting would be on the surprise factor. Um, or if you had, like, ancient Shaolin Kung Fu backing you up. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, on, on Radio X, um, which is something which has some really funny segments, they're always talking about ways to make soccer more interesting. And one of the better ones they came up with was having some rugby players on the field. <laughs> So, um, so anyways, uh, I think we're going to have to end it there because we've been going on for an hour and ten minutes. Um, but I will, uh, uh, we'll be back on, uh, uh, I think on Sunday, me and Adam will be doing uh, either Doctor Who or, um, or Babylon 5. Oh, and we'll fine. be on next week. I think we'll probably be getting back into some Shaw Brothers. And, uh, you know, so until then, we'll talk to you later.
No, that's just um, funny because the cameos from uh, Karen Mark and Cecilia Chung, they're both uh, the, the, the main female leads from uh, King of Comedy. So it's nice to see them show up together again just for like a brief scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that, that's a, a good movie. I definitely, I think we've mentioned it before here, but people should definitely check that one out. My, my question about that is, were they supposed to be women dressed as men or were they supposed to be men in that in that scene? I, I always I always got the feeling that they were women dressed as men, possibly because it was a men's competition. Mm. And so they were, you know, those were suitable disguises to trick the, you know, audience and everything. Okay. The funny thing is is that nobody on the actual Shaolin team comments on it at all. So I almost imagine that these are working disguises. You know, to us as the viewer, it's very obvious that these are women, yeah. but maybe nobody else recognizes well, them. There is also that whole thing in Wusho where you know the woman puts on mm-hmm. a hat like a man and like a, a, a you know dresses like a man. She still looks like a woman, but nobody, either because they're being polite or the or the wool has been pulled over their eyes, they are that nobody comments. So. I, I sort of saw it as maybe a nod to that. But, yeah. And also, like, if it is a men's tournament, like, is the Shaolin's team win illegal then because they use a woman as a goalkeeper for the final match? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Well, again, that's... again, you've got to take into account the fact that the look is very ambiguous now because right. she's bald. a man. But the thing is, like, immediately afterwards, they had showed them on the magazine. Like, they're on the Times magazine for, like, being the best couple or whatever, and they're, they're, they're well, being, like, lauded as the... Kelly, the how couple. can you be so non-inclusive? Gay people can get married. She grew her hair out, and <laughs> she's a woman. <laughs> so. well, well, they choose to identify as their own business, Kenny. <laughs> but... But but I guess I guess is I mean I I don't know about much about soccer but I'm assuming that that that, that those divisions are are meaningful. Yeah, no, 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 no. you can't just there's enter. A, there's a women's league and there's a men's division. Okay, is that why she shaved her hair then? Because that way she wouldn't appear to be a woman. Is that the well, reason? She, she shaved, shaved her head because she had to cut her bangs and shaving her head was faster. But, I don't know. Like mm, maybe, maybe the only reason that she could actually help was because like she anyway she would convincingly pass off as a male for the sake of the tournament was to shave all her hair off. I'm, like, I'm a monk from Shaolin, so clearly, you know, I... Uh... We just keep on bringing See, up but... more questions. This movie is deeper than we ever could have expected. See, ultimately, the purpose in this movie was to convince the world that Shaolin Kung Fu was a worthwhile thing for everyone to learn, and they achieved that. So even if, even if later they were disqualified from winning the soccer match, it didn't matter because, you know... No, they, no, they accomplished they the real famous, goal. So they secured a revenue route as well. You know. Well, that too, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I love how the woman, like the woman, uses the Shaolin Kung Fu to push her car back into um, <laughs> to parallel park. Basically, it's. A... I need that skill. I can't parallel park at all. That's well, something I wish I could do. Well, that's like the move that Jackie Chan does in Police Story, except he does it by actually driving the car into the spot right. rather than uh, rather than you know pushing the car into the spot but um i can't help but think like how much scratching would there be on the cars and how ruined would your tires be if you (laughs) i was i was reminded of something though which i didn't mean to bring up earlier something that i absolutely loved about the beginning sequence is the fact that the depiction that we see of their master is golden leg dressed up (laughs) Yeah, is, you know, I guess that's 
right at the end of that sequence when he takes oh. off all the get-up, you know, the fact is, is that every every single bit of that clip where he's doing all the stuff, you know, skipping over banana leaves and writing the name, that's all Golden Leg. So are you suggesting that maybe his master really was Golden Leg and Golden Leg has I'm, I'm suggesting his Shaolin I'm origins? That, or... Well, no, I'm, I'm not saying that his master was originally Golden Leg and that Golden Leg, you know, then chose to subject himself to being hung subordinate, you know. <laughs> But um, I think that possibly there's a, maybe a thing about reincarnation or anything like that. Who knows? Okay. Either way, we certainly know that during this, the course of this movie, Hung, ful- uh, sorry, uh, Hung fulfills the role of being the master. That brings, all the, brings all the brothers back together and reignites their Kung Fu. He, he gets them back their skills and stuff. He teaches them how to play football. He gets them to work in a coordinated manner and stuff, you know. He does the whole training thing, and there's the whole bits with t- taming the disciples and stuff, and little uh, little weights, you know, thing about going for the eggs whenever they're dropped and all that stuff. Like in in this movie, Fung takes on the role of being the master, and that's alluded to right at the beginning when he dons the master's robe and stuff in the uh, little kind of sequence. Yeah, he does. He does wear. He does after he's finished telling the story. He's wearing the um. The he's wearing robe. the clothes. He takes off yeah. the beard and all that stuff, and he goes, "That's got nothing to do with me." So yeah, I don't know. It's a very interesting. Uh, you know, some interesting possibilities there. I think. Uh, There's so much we haven't talked about. I mean, we haven't talked, spoken about the egg scene, which was particularly. Oh, that weird. was my favorite. <laughs> the egg <laughs> scene was 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 uncomfortable to watch because. He's he's putting the egg yolk into his mouth and then he's chewing on that filthy, dirty shoelace. Shoelace, mm. yeah, yeah. And I just could I I just couldn't. That, and then that the was egg too much for me. The crutch, and he's wrestling against everybody. And his shirt comes up. And you're like, oh my god! See, for god, me, the yeah. shoelace is the thing that just really. Yeah. The Those shoes were, were disgusting. Yeah. He was committed. He was bloody committed. You've got to give him that. Oh, it was a fabulous scene. I think it was a funny. <laughs> scene. I, I just that shoelace was. I had a similar reaction when um, Stephen Chow was eating the, the, the bun that was on the ground and he just like kind of like doesn't even really <laughs> put it in the off. water. He just, yeah, he just dabs a little water on it and then he, he you know, that, that, that. Well, that... I mean, with, with that, if, if you notice, there's like half of it is still dirty, but he gets off the top layer of filth on the top bit. The bottom of it still looks pretty filthy. I mean, I and don't know. Is, I think you put it. that in your mouth, you're asking for all kinds of trouble the next day. Is my my opinion. Well, uh, to be fair, he lives like in the uh, in, in in a house made of cardboard on the 59th floor. So, so my concern yeah, was for Stephen Chow, not for the character. Exactly. My concern was is Stephen Chow going to get sick stuff all from... the time? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it's not the first time he's eaten something he found on the ground. I'm pretty sure. I mean, like, that's the thing. For a character, it totally makes sense, and it's not the first time that actors have subjected themselves to, like, weird... No, and, no that's like, true. And, <laughs> and who knows what precautions they take. You know, that, that might just be fake dirt that they've got on the... Uh, oh, on, yeah, I'm know. sure. But, it, may be, it may be that he did eat something dirty, and afterwards he just, you know, drank something to neutralize it in his stomach, you know? I mean, you know, and, I guess. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, this, like one theme that's sort of brought up in the movies is the the, the total difference between um, 
and poverty and those who live in the city like you, you have like this impressive like skyscrapers and like like the uh, like iron shirt was saying a, a full uh, yeah everyone's got laptops in the street there are cars everywhere mm-hmm. and then you have these people who are you know living in absolute squalor here and this is the same is sort of true in um, kung fu hustle as well where um yeah, the, the, the place they live is called Pigsty Alley. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, 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 <laughs> it's basically always for martial artists who are subjectivists, and I think that it's kind of bringing up the narrative that in the world of in the world of man as we've got it at the moment, martial arts are completely irrelevant for the most well, part. I think also though, there's also the idea of the hungry fighter and sort of the guy who just live like they're living like monks, like like they, you know, the fo- your focus is on mm-hmm. on on the martial arts and uh, you know. But in this, all the characters apart from Steel Leg aren't focused on Marshall. No, no, I'm talking about his character. I'm, you know, definitely the his other character. Yeah. Still fo- his yeah. character still focused on martial arts, and he's surely living in some you know poverty and stuff. But the other characters have basically already renounced their martial arts. Ironhead says, "I still practice my Ironhead all the time, you know, every day and stuff." In reality, he's just alluding to the fact that he gets bottles yeah. smashed over his head all the time. That's a very like, funny scene. Um, it's an incredibly funny scene, but to him, that still constitutes training his iron head. Whereas we all know that in reality, he's not going through any of the doctrines yeah. or you know anything like that of the actual Shaolin teachings that he would have taken. It requires him, you know, undergoing a kind of like task of great humiliation to be able to regain that and regain the faith in himself for that. But through all of it, you've you, you've got that underlying fact, you know, <laughs> it's. Oh, I've lost my train of thought. I think it's, it's it's not just like the martial arts. I think yeah, what Stephen Chow is trying to say is that there is like a massive discrepancy between those who are rich and those who are poor in China, especially. Well, yeah, of, of course, of course, you've got that, but I think that a, a, a large part of it does just come from the fact that the occupations of all these characters have been martial artists. You get, um, you get hook, hooking leg saying that it's because his father made him go and train with the master and stuff and all that stuff and didn't send him to a normal school, but now he's got to work cleaning toilets and all that stuff. What, you know, don't tell me not to stress out and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's resentful of the very fact that he got this Shaolin martial arts training, which later on turns out to be the best thing that happened to him. But this is a fictional world where, you know, this kind of stuff works out well. In the real world... Stephen Chow might be saying, you know, what is there apart from stunt acting and stuff for martial artists? Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, and myself have made it big, but if you don't do that, then, you know, you're nothing as a martial artist. You, you can be an instructor and stuff, but that's not that glamorous or anything. The age of actual fights and all that kind of stuff is properly over, you know? Well, the age, yeah, of, the think... age of that kind of action choreography even is almost like that that golden age of like hong kong action film is mm-hmm. is kind of you know past in a lot of ways so you know it could have been you know this, this well, is... it's, it's just so interesting how much is actually packed into this movie but at first glance just seems so stupid you know i mean i, I say stupid but it doesn't mean that i'm belittling it I've, I've, I've loved it every you know single time that i've watched it but there is quite a lot of stuff you know kind of incorporated into it and a lot of things to think about 